Thank you, guys. Today is going to be our last sermon uh, in this series on leadership that we've been doing, uh, Servants and Shepherds. The Bible gives us two kinds of leaders for God's church. Uh, The deacon, whom we talked about last week, and that word deacon means servant. And what we saw last week is that the role of the deacon is to help the church serve those people who are in need. That's what deacons do. This week, we're going to look at that second office, the shepherd, or as we call them, the elder. And so we're going to be in 1 Peter Chapter 5, if you want to turn there, Peter is a letter, First Peter is a letter, it's written by Peter, pretty self-explanatory, it's the first one we have written by Peter, um, and it is written to churches, uh, to Christians who are being persecuted for following Jesus, and towards the end of that letter, uh, there's a small section in which he encourages their Leaders, And so we're going to look at that today, 1 Peter chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. If you don't have a Bible, hopefully there's one in the rack in front of you. And if you're using that one, you can find our, our passage on page 1016. Let's give our attention to God's holy word. Peter writes, So I exhort or encourage the elders among you as a fellow elder... And a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Father, again, as we look at your word, we just pray that you would teach us, that you would take its eternal truths and that you would write them on our hearts. And we pray it in the matchless name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. I heard the story this week of a uh, tour guide who was uh, on a tour bus trip. He was taking some tourists around the countryside outside the city of Jerusalem. uh, And he had been telling them how uh, when a shepherd leads his flock, he leads from in front. That a shepherd does not drive the flock from behind. Well, as the the bus uh, starts making its way back into the city... Uh, Someone in the back of the bus shouts and points out the window uh, where a flock of sheep is being driven by a man from from behind yelling and carrying a stick. And so, of course, the tourists are like, hey, I I thought you said shepherds don't do that. So the, the tour guide has the bus pulled over. He's a little embarrassed, confused. And so he he gets off the bus to go figure out what exactly it is that's going on. And he comes back a few minutes later, and there's a grin on his face. And he says, well, that wasn't the shepherd. That was the butcher. (laughs) We need shepherds, not butchers. Jesus is a shepherd and not a butcher. Uh, And so as Peter talks to these elders, he's telling them how to be shepherds. 
He's showing them uh, what elders are like and what they do. And we're going to summarize their, their task with four words this morning. We're going to see that elders shepherd God's sheep by knowing, feeding, leading, and protecting them. Elders shepherd God's sheep by knowing, feeding, leading, and protecting them. Uh, and those four words, I wish I could say that I came up with those on my own, but they actually are part of a, a book that we use to train our elders here. Uh, it's by a guy named Timothy Whitmer, and it's called The Shepherd Leader. And this is our, our elder training manual, so to speak. Uh, so if you wanted to pick that book up, Tim Whit- Whitmer, uh, The Shepherd Leader. But we're going to break each one of those down. What does it look like for the elder to know and to feed and to lead and protect? First, elders know God's sheep. Now, that word elder doesn't mean that they have to be old uh, because the Bible gives us some young elders like Timothy. Timothy was an elder, but he was a young man. And besides, not not all old men are wise. Not all old men are necessarily mature. Uh, So we're not necessarily talking about being elderly, but the word elder refers to those who have some wisdom and maturity, uh, those that God has gifted to uh, lead his church. And an elder knows by exercising oversight. You see that word in verse 2, where it says, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. The elder is an overseer, and that word is exactly what it sounds like. It means to look over. Uh, It could refer in a military context to a a ranking officer, uh, a commanding officer who inspects the ranks to make sure that they're ready for battle, right? He's looking looking over the ranks. He's inspecting. He's making sure that everybody's ready to go. Um, But you can also see how it would apply to the role of a shepherd, Right, a shepherd who makes his way through the flock, and he knows them. Right, he he picks up their hooves and he looks for for damage or rocks. He checks for bruises and scrapes. He inspects their their coats and their ears and their nose and their mouth for illness and bugs and all of those wonderful things that can infect a sheep. Right, the elder uh, oversees. He knows. Uh, Jesus says in John ten. 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. And then later on in verse 27 of that same chapter, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. There was a a video I saw uh, a number of years ago. I think you can still find this on YouTube. Um, But it was of a shepherd calling his sheep. Uh, so there were some, some visitors to the farm, so they're all standing on this side of the fence, and the elders got his food bucket, I mean, excuse me, the elder, the shepherd's got his food bucket, and all the sheep are out in the pasture grazing, and so he has one of the visitors step forward, step up to the fence, and hold the food bucket, uh, and he tells her what to say uh, to call the sheep uh, down, to, down to the feed, and, and so she does. She, she hollers out at the sheep, she uses the words that the shepherd gave her, uh, and the sheep don't budge. And so then he gets someone else from the crowd, a man this time, and he, he can bellow a little louder, and so that's what he does. He hollers at the sheep, and a couple of the sheep kind of stick their heads up, and they look at him, and then they go back to grazing. 
And then the shepherd steps up to the fence, and he starts calling the sheep. And one by one, they all start picking up their heads and running to the fence. Why? Because they know his voice. They know him as someone who knows them. He's been with them. He knows them by name. He knows their illnesses and their weaknesses and their strengths. That's a shepherd who knows. I know my own and my own know me. And so an elder gets to know the people who are under his care. He visits them. He asks them questions. He listens to their cares and concerns. He prays with them. But it's not his voice that they need to hear. It's Jesus' voice. And so elders must be familiar with Jesus' words. And they must lead with Jesus' words. Elders know. Elders also feed God's sheep. In fact, that that word there in verse 2, shepherd God's flock, refers primarily to feeding, to tending the sheep with food. Well, how does God feed a sheep? Moses tells us in Deuteronomy 8.3 that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So God feeds his people with his word. But we can even get more specific than that. Jesus says in John 6, it was just after Jesus had fed uh, the 4,000, excuse me, the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus says in John 6, 32, Truly, truly, I say to you, it wasn't Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he, so the bread of God is not an it, it's a he, who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they say, Sir, give us this bread always. And doesn't that sound like a pretty good deal? If you heard that there was bread that gives life that comes down from heaven, you say, yeah, give it to me. Here's what Jesus says. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So God's word ultimately, yes, we, the, the Bible, God's word, but the word points us to the word, Jesus. That God's word points us ultimately to Jesus, that, that he is the one who feeds us. He is the one who nourishes us. Right, my, my greatest need is not behavior change. It's not more classes or training or friendship or community. It's not that I need to find a good way to serve others. Now, all of those are needs that I have. All of those are important. Uh, They can be helpful tools. I do need those things. But they don't really satisfy my deep down need. They don't satisfy my hunger and thirst. My greatest need and your greatest need is Jesus. He's the one that satisfies. He sets me free from the slavery of sin. He breaks the power of sin in my life. And so when God feeds his sheep, he feeds them Jesus. We find life by feasting on Jesus. So an elder must feed God's sheep with God's word by pointing them again and again and again to the bread of life himself, Jesus. 
That's how elders feed. How do elders lead? There's two things I want you to notice uh, that Peter says that help us understand how elders lead. First, in verse 1, he says, I exhort the elders among you. The elders are a part of the church. That means, that means that the elders are sheep themselves. They're not a super elite class of Christians who have some superior status to other people in the church. Elders, and there's more than one, right? The church is not led by an elder or a pastor. It's led by a group of pastors, a group of elders. And they come from among the flock, right? They're, they're sheep also. So they must be feeding on God's word. They must be listening to God's voice, right? Uh, a good elder is not somebody who, at least in his heart, says I'm, he's better than the rest. In fact, a good elder is one who can say with Paul, I am the chief of sinners. A good elder knows he's just a beggar. But he's good at knowing what to, uh, where to tell others to find the bread. That's an elder. Then Paul says, excuse me, then Peter says, shepherd the flock of God. Uh, these sheep, these people belong to God. They don't belong to the elder. They don't belong to the pastor. Uh, it's common uh, for us to use phrases like, hey, tell me about your church. And I know what we mean when we say that. But it's not my church. It's Jesus's church. These are the, these are, this is the flock that God purchased with his own blood. And what that does for the elder's leadership is it makes him humble, right? He's, he's just one of the sheep uh, who gets to point the rest of the sheep to Jesus. But he, he also works for the chief shepherd, right? There's a shepherd over him. And the elder is ultimately accountable to that shepherd, Jesus. And then he says in verse 3 that elders are not domineering. They don't lord it over those in their care, their authority, but they're examples to the flock. So an elder leads by example. Now, when I say lead by example, what comes to mind? Maybe you think of like an elementary school teacher or a coach. Um, right? I, when I hear lead by example, I think I got to get my act together. I got to, I got to start doing all the right things. I got to stop doing all the wrong things. I got, I got to have it all buttoned up and put together. But who am I pointing people to in that example? Well, I'm pointing people to me, causing people to look at me, not at Jesus. And Paul tells the Corinthian church, Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so the elder's example deflects away from himself to Jesus. I was at a training uh, workshop this weekend, and, uh, and the, the director of the ministry uh, that was putting this on is an elder. Uh, he's at a sister church of ours in Atlanta, uh, and he usually wraps up all of the sessions of the day. He's the last person to speak, and he just kind of gives a summary of everything that we've heard throughout the day. 
Uh, well, at the end of Friday's session, so we were there Thursday night, all day Friday. Uh, at the end of Friday's session, he gets up on the stage and he takes his microphone uh, and he starts talking about his, um, his evening routine. Uh, what he does in the evenings before he goes to bed is he, he says he, he keeps short accounts. Uh, and so he spends some time going before the Lord and asking God, Lord, anything, is there anything that I need to repent of? Anything that I did today uh, that would displease you or hurt someone else? And that, so that was on Thursday evening that he, he did that. Uh, and God brought to mind three things that he had said to our group that could or would have been hurtful to other people. Uh, and two of those people were in our were in our workshop. And so what this man did is he, uh, during the day on Friday, he went to those people and apologized to those people and asked for their forgiveness, which they gave. Uh, but then he takes the stage on Friday night because we had heard what he had said. He also then repented to us and let us know that he had said some things that he should not have said. That's an elder, right? Uh, he's leading by example. Why? What, what am I looking at now? I'm not looking at a man who's got it all buttoned up. I'm looking at a man who, even in his 70s, still needs Jesus and walks with Jesus and points others to Jesus. Right? That's the, that's the humble example of the elder. So the elder leads Jesus' sheep. Finally, elders protect. Elders protect God's sheep. How do they do that? Well, in the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, in chapter 34, God charges the leaders of his people for being, uh, with being bad shepherds. Uh, they had taken advantage of the flock for their own gain. They had fed themselves and they had not fed the sheep. They had ignored the needs of the flock. They had not bound up the wounded. They hadn't gone and helped the weak. Um, not only that, but they had allowed the fat sheep to bully the lean sheep. Right? So those with a little more size and a little more influence, they had allowed them to kind of run the herd, run the flock. And the fat sheep were bullying the lean sheep. Well, in contrast to that, listen to Peter's description of a good elder. Verse 2. He says, not that, a that an elder shepherd's not under compulsion, but willingly. Right? He doesn't simply do the job because no one else will. He does the job because he wants to. And then it says, not for shameful gain out of financial or political or personal or social benefit. Right? The elder is not an elder because it gets him something. It doesn't, it doesn't elevate, he, do, he doesn't become an elder because it elevates his status in the community, that he gets something as a benefit. No, he's just eager to. He's glad to. And it says, not domineering over those in their charge, right? Not being forceful or harsh. An elder doesn't lead by intimidation or by manipulation. He's not a bully. Nor does he allow others to take advantage of the sheep. Not only is he not a bully, but he doesn't allow other people to be bullies 
either. He protects the flock. Paul tells us in Acts 20, verses 29 and 30, that a good elder watches out for wolves who would harm the sheep. And he's on guard against false teaching that would lead people away from Jesus. So he makes sure that people are listening to the voice of Jesus and not false voices. That's how an elder protects. So you may listen to all that and you may go, you may say like Paul, who is, who is sufficient for these things? You may listen to all that and you, you might say, is it worth it? Right? If you, if you raise livestock, if you keep animals, uh, you know that they don't often run up to you and say, thank you for working so hard for my benefit. Thank you for being here at 4 o'clock in the morning to dump feed in my trough. I really do appreciate that. You're a, you're a great master. Right? No, usually animals, sheep, they bite, they kick, they butt. Sometimes they pee on you. Right? It's what animals do. So what makes it worth it? Why would someone put themselves through that? Right? People, when, when you work with people, there's betrayal. There's criticism. There's failure. There's frustration. Well, look at what Peter says in verse 4, the encouragement that he gives to the, to the elder who would say, I'm not sure this is worth it. Peter writes, when the chief shepherd appears... You will receive the unfading crown of glory. That crown, that's the victor's crown. It would go to the, the winners of the race. It's as if Peter is saying, I know. Sometimes people will thank you. And a lot of times they won't. Sometimes they're happy. And sometimes they're not. That the, the glory we receive from man is often fading. But Peter says, that's not what makes it worth it. What makes it worth it is the glory that we receive from Jesus. That one day Jesus will say, here's your crown. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have taken what I gave you and you've stewarded it well. And that is what makes it worth it. There's another question you might be asking and it's, am I worthy? How in the world could I be or do that? And to that, Peter gives the encouragement of his own story. If you look back in verse 1, he calls himself a fellow elder and a witness of Jesus' sufferings. Now, you may know Peter's story. You may know his path to the eldership. It wasn't a smooth one. Where did Peter witness Jesus' sufferings from? While Jesus is being falsely accused and mocked and beaten and insulted and is taking it. Peter's standing several feet away. He's standing around the fire watching this sham trial go on. And when Peter is confronted by a little servant girl who says, Hey, weren't you with Jesus? Proud and mighty Peter says, that's right, I am with Jesus. I stand by him. No, he didn't. He said, I don't know the man. And then other people around the fire say, no, 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 you've, you've got a Galilean accent. I think, yeah, I think you were one of his followers. 
And Peter says with a little more force, no, I tell you, I do not know this man. And then later on he's pressed again and Peter swears, he curses himself and says, I swear, I do not know this man. And at that moment a rooster crows and Jesus' eyes lock with Peter's. Have you ever made eye contact with somebody that you've grossly disappointed and let down and failed? That was Peter. And then, of course, we know what happens next. Jesus is carried off uh, to the Roman emperor, and he's sentenced to death, and he's beat some more, and then he's carried to the cross, and and he dies. And then he rises again. And after his resurrection, Peter and some of the disciples are fishing, and Jesus meets them on the shore, and they're having breakfast. And I don't know if you've ever had to reconcile with somebody whom you've failed or hurt. But I imagine that was a tense moment. I wonder if Peter was thinking, is Jesus going to bring that up? How, I, I really let him down. What's he going to do? And after breakfast, uh, Jesus and Peter, they go for a walk. And Peter, and Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. And then he asked him a second time, Peter, do you love me? And Peter again says, yes, Lord, I love you. And Jesus says, tend my lambs. And then a third time, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, now at the third time, he's heartbroken. He realizes what Jesus is doing. For every denial of Peter's, Jesus is restoring him. So if you're asking the question, am I worthy? The answer is no. Of course not. Jesus restores those who failed him. Jesus forgives those who sin against him. That's what makes a man or a woman a believer. And it's what enables us and equips us to lead and help other people. If you don't know the grace of Jesus this morning, I pray that you would come to the one who forgives and restores. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for your word. As we prepare to come to your table I pray, God, that you would pierce us to the heart with the gospel of grace, that we would again, uh, that that you would give us an honest uh, view of ourselves.